Hello and welcome to Journeys in Grace. My name is Eric Hubbard. I want to thank you for joining us as we study the Word of God today and continue a series that we started about humility. And we'll give you a couple of ways to join us. First, you can mail us at Pastor Eric, Post Office Box 4473, Marietta, Georgia 30061. Or by email at Pastor Eric 523 at gmail.com. That's Pastor Eric 523 at gmail.com. So again, we want to just continue our study on humility and a definition, or uh, I guess the main title of this was humility, love under pressure. And today we're going to talk about uh, Sarah and Abraham. And so um, before we get there, I just want to first want to talk about uh, just uh, do a little background about our base scriptures for this week and for this study. It's in the book of uh, Peter. And this is Peter 5 and verse 7. And we're going to just hit this a little bit. And then we're going to get into our main subject today, our main um, our scriptures today. So in First First uh, Peter five seven it says, "Casting all your cares upon Him, for He careth for you." Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about seeking who he may devour. And when we talked uh, from our base scriptures last week. And this was about humility. And I'll just read that for you. I should have read, started that first up here in 560. It says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And again, we're talking about exaltation. We said that that means to be raised high, to be magnified, to be put forth. And when we're talking about humility, it's us, it's we as believers, it's me uh, submitting myself to God. Because God does not humble you. If God humbles you, it's called humiliation. But when you take this lower seat, when you step back and say, Lord, not my will, but your will, then that's called humility. So what Paul, what uh, Peter is talking about here in the fifth chapter, he's Speaking to a church, he says, not only should you humble yourself, but we go back a couple of other verses. He talks about clothe yourself. In other words, wrap yourself up in humility and let humility be your signature. Let it be your MO. Let it be your uh, modus operandi. In other words, your mode of operation. So that when people see you, say, oh, you know, what a very humble young lady. What a very humble uh, pastor. What a very humble mom and dad. Because it lets them see the God in you. Because as we gave that definition before, humility is love under pressure. Because when, when we are squeezed, when, we, when the pressure comes, when the trial comes, uh, the, the, the nasty words, the, the, the favor, the lashing out, the uh, striking back, the get back, that should not be our mode of operation. But it should be, Lord, I may not know what's going on now, but I know you saw this before it got here and I'm going to win and I am going to learn. I'm going to learn the lesson that I need to learn from this. And I declare that I am victorious. See, not only must, must we be humble, but we must speak the word. And that doesn't mean that you can speak the problem of the trial away. There are some things that God has designed for us to go through. There are some things you can see them coming and you can declare the word of God and the, the, the sickness goes away, you're healed, you're delivered, whatever the case may be. Some, some uh, 
Some uh, uh, things, they miraculously disappear. Others, you have to walk through. But whatever the case, we win. And see, Satan's desire is to fill us full of fear. That's why the, the eighth verse says, be sober. When you're sober, that means you're settled. You know the end from the beginning. We win whether I die in the trial or I live through it. And see, some, for some folks, that's too hard to say or to uh, even comprehend. But all of us wants to, want, to be a, want to see heaven. Well, my pastors used to say, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. And I'm one of them. I do, I'm not ready to die. But what I am saying is, I'm willing, and every day I'm submitting myself and putting myself on that altar, that sacrificial altar, by saying, Lord, I submit myself to you. Do I do it perfectly? No. There are some times that the, 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 I, I allow things to, to, get, to get to me. That's not right. That's not good. But I have the mind within myself to know, you know what? God loves me, but I'm, I'm, I'm asking God for grace. For he said in Corinthians, he says, my grace is sufficient for my strength that made perfect in, in your weakness. So where I'm weak at, I ask God for grace. And so, Lord, help me. I don't lose my temper. Help me that uh, I watch my words. Help me, Lord, and give me wisdom and not anger or not uh, 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 bitterness or whatever the case may be. Or that I will say something that, you know, may hurt someone. Up. You may not even you might even know you offended the person. But the point may be is, Lord, help me be wise about what I say and and know, Lord, that, that this is your child. This is your daughter. This is your son. And that I must be. Uh, aware of, 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 of my surroundings, what I'm saying, and that what you may consider a joke, some other person may be offended by it. We don't want to offend anyone. But on my part, my, my, I'm a, I as a believer, we should not be so soon shaken. We shouldn't be offended. And not soon, so soon offended at words that are spoken. Some things you got to just let it, you just got to, uh, as, as my mom used to say, you got you to be like a dove. With water, let, just let that water, just let that comment, let those words just wash right over you. Don't even stop. Don't stop. Just keep going. So now I'm not, I'm not going to take offense. I'm not going to get bitter about that. I'm not going to let that away on my mind. That's not going to rent space in my brain. I'm not going to race those brain cells trying to figure out why you said what you said and what you meant and how and, and, and did you mean it? No. If it offended me. Or uh, if I want clarification, I can come back to you and say, hey, you said such and such a thing. What do you mean by that? Did I say something to offend you? But as far as me, I pray to the Lord, just going to let that go. Uh, if you want me to bring it back up again, I shall. But otherwise, I'm going to keep it moving. So when we reading here what Peter is saying, he says, cast all your cares. That's a sign, a symbol, and an and attribute of humility. They said, God, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna take this with pride and try to handle this. Try to stress out about it. No, I'm gonna keep it moving. And I'm, what I mean by keep it moving is I'm not gonna be nonchalant. I'm not just gonna uh, toss it away, but what I'm gonna take it and place it in his hand and say, Father, I don't have the wisdom for this at this second. But I declare you give it to me. The wisdom that you have for me is manifesting. And I'm going to wait on it. I'm going to trust you. And you're going to give me what I need to do in this situation. 
In the meantime, I'm going to stay in faith. I'm going to stay in praise. And I am walking by faith. This is already resolved. And I'm going to keep moving. But let's move on. Um, so when we're talking about humility, and as Peter has discussed here, we're going to go over to the book of Mark. And I want to just, just read something what Jesus said about humility and how that uh, what he says about even in us, in us uh, taking care of ourselves and, and, and having thoughts about what we have rather than basing our faith on what God has for us. So he says over here in the book of Mark 8.34, he says, he called the people unto him and said, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Now, to all, everybody around them knew what the cross was. Because the Romans were famous for torture. And that was one of the most cruelest ways to die was to put a man on a cross, on the cross, nail them there, they bled them and they let them suffer there, either from heat stroke or whatever it took. If you didn't die, if you weren't, if you weren't dead when they, when they got ready to uh, 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 close the day, they would, as they did Jesus, they, they, uh, they break your legs. So you, not they didn't break Jesus' legs, but what they did for him, for Jesus, they ran a spear up and, and punctured his heart. But what they did to the two thieves was they broke their legs. And because they were on that cross, they, when they slumped down, they suffocated. That was their way of torturing and being a, and using it as a deterrent to anybody else. Oh, you think you're going to steal? You're going to murder one of our citizens or one of the uh, uh, inhabitants of this, this land and we put, you in, uh, we put you in the jail? We're going to make an example out of you. So what they did was they put them on the cross. So what Jesus is saying here is you take your path of suffering. Who said, well, come after me, let him deny himself. Let him humble himself and take up his cross. Take up your, your suffering. Take up, that's what the cross was. It was not a joyful journey. But he said, take up your cross and do what? Follow me. For who shall ever save his life, shall what? You're going to lose it. If you put your career, your life, your wants and desires above what God has for you, you lose he goes on to say, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world? He said, if you got every desire that you could even imagine and you lose your soul. He said, what or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So he's saying. Why not humble yourself? For great are the riches. If you go on and read and study this out, there are riches that God has for them. He told Peter one day when um, many of Jesus' disciples walked away from him, Peter said, Lord, we gave up everything to follow you. Everything. And Jesus said, there's no man that's, lost, that's, 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 that's given up, uh, that's lost or uh, uh, uh Mother, father, sister, brother, you're going to gain a hundredfold lands, houses in this life. Jesus says, you will not give up anything in this life that I don't repay. You cannot beat God giving. You can't do it. 
But the giving God wants <clears throat> is not the, the mafia way of giving that God's going to curse you if you don't give. But scripture says God loves a what? A cheerful giver. If you, when you pay your tithe, give it joyfully, willingly, knowing that the Father blessed me with this. And if I give this, he'll give me more. Because if God can get it through you, he will give it to you. The issue is, will it come through you? And that's where humility comes in, where you say, you know what, Lord? I'll give. I'll trust you. I'll trust what you said. And that's the path of humility. When we have, you have little. Because when you have little, that's the time you should give the most. Because when you have little and you trust God with your little, you can, if you can trust God when you have a little bit, you can trust God when you have a lot. Because if you only got $20 in your pocket and you really give up $20, you have nothing. But if you wait till you got $1,000 and give me $20, what's that? that, that that's, that's, uh, that's not even 2%. You got $1,000, you, you gave $20? Yeah. No. Because if, if uh, yeah, it is 2%, but my point is that if you're only willing to give when you have a lot, usually you will not give much, if anything, when you have a lot. If you're not willing to give when you have a little, most of the time you're not willing to give when you don't, when you have a lot. Because your faith is in the money that's in your hand. Anytime you give to God, you invest. I said, give to God. You invest in the kingdom, it always comes back. Always. May not come back in money, but some way, somehow, God's going to bless you and you will know this is what God has done for me. But you got to have the revelation of it and see, man, how did I get this favor? How did I get, you know, I didn't deserve And you'll see that God pays, God replies, God multiplies what we give. So today we're going to have, we're going to study uh, on Sarah and Abraham. What a marvelous life and, and, and examples of two that trusted God. Sarah and Abraham had it going on where they were in Haran. Abraham was a rich man. When he came over to, um, uh, came over to Canaan, he had servants then. So he didn't come broke. Abraham came. He didn't, he, a multitude <clears throat> when he, he had, he got an army eventually that was in his house. He had his own army and his own servants who were hired <clears throat> to uh, go out and battle and defend his, uh, his, his, the things that he had. But when we read about here now, I'm just going to read some few scriptures about you, but we read about Sarah and Abraham, but we're going to focus on Sarah. So God in, in Genesis 12 gives us uh, and, and, and lets us in on the promise that he gave Abraham. First, he says, <clears throat> He said to Abraham, get out of thy country, 12 and 1, and from your kindred, from your father's house, and to a land I will show you. So God first thing says, I'm going to separate you so that you, so, so that nobody will be able to say, well, you know what, that's, that's my brother down there. That's, that's my grandson. You know, I gave him that. I gave him this. And then God says, leave your country, leave your kindred, leave your father's house. And go somewhere, go to a place that you don't even know about, but I'll show you when you get there. 
Now let's go. Now, not only does Abraham has, has, has to go up by faith, Sarah has to walk by faith. Although she was married to Abraham, she could have went in here and said, oh, you know, you know what? I don't know where this man taking me. But by faith, she stayed with the man. She had to hear him. She said, uh, uh, Sarah, we, we, we leaving. Where are, you, where, where, where are we going, Abraham? We, we moving. I don't know. God said leave. She had to have faith in him because she could have left and went back to her people. Or she could have stayed with her people and said, I'll see you when you get back. Call me. Uh, 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 send me a note. Send a dove. Send, a, send, a, uh, send one of your servants back every six months. Send me some money. I'll be right here. Let me know when you get stuff settled. But she didn't do that. When he left, she left. And it goes on to say, and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. Make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless them that bless you, curse them that curse you, and all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is a word that God gave to Sarah, Abraham, and because it came to Abraham, it was the blessing was also on Sarah. God promised to bless them. So immediately, for them to get from where they were to where they were going to, they, they had to have the health to get there. They had to have the, God had to supply them. They had to have the water. They had to have the good weather to get there. The, the, the bandits had to, they had to keep off because everybody wasn't good back in there. Just like they're not all good now. They, they're not all, you take a trip from here in a car, or here by a uh, 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 plane, train, automobile, however you're getting there. There are people around, but what God does for us, he shields us, he keeps us, he hides us. And I believe that's what God did for them. As they travel, God made a way. But they had to trust him. They had to humble themselves and say, you know what? If God says this, God is a God of his word. So he left because he had faith in God. And because they did, I'm going to jump ahead every now and then. Sarah is written in the Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame over in Hebrews 11. She's also written in Galatians uh, 4. And when it talks about how the Sarah is the mother of us all. She is the mother of Jerusalem, as they, they gave an example of her being the mother of us all, this free woman, the, the woman that, that uh, the covenant was given to, the blessing was given to. Just like Abraham is the, our father by faith, Sarah is our father, our, our mother by faith. She and Abraham represented the grace of God that was flowing down to us. For they were before the law. There were no Ten Commandments. There were no thou shalt not. They followed God by faith. And God proved himself. And they trusted him. And their trust. They couldn't have just said, well, Lord, I, uh, uh, if you're going to bless me, you got to bless me right here. Because I, I, you know, there's a devil out there. It's cold out there. It's cold in the desert. It's hot in the desert. It's cold at night and hot in the day. But they had faith. And they believed him. And Sarah had faith and trusted that her husband heard God. And so, so they went. But we're going to go down now. We're going to stay in this same chapter. And now the same man that God told to leave your family, your country, your friends, and let's go to a place that you don't even know about. 
He had to grow. And now he and Sarah had to grow. Abraham had to grow and Sarah had to grow as they begin to learn God and, and to know him. They grew by, their faith grew. And God blessed them. And if we're going to go down now to uh, well, the 12th chapter around the 11th verse, go to the 11th verse of this chapter. And we're going to see a test that Sarah had to go through. And it came to pass. When they came near to Egypt, now Abraham and Sarah, let's go up 10th verse. There was a famine in the land. And Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And when we read this, it doesn't say that God told Sarah, uh, told Abraham to go to uh go to eat go to Egypt. So it wasn't a sin, then God didn't tell him to go or not to go. But God did tell him to go to the land, go to uh Canaan, and he did. But when the famine came, Abraham left the land of promise and he went down to Egypt. But let's see what he said when uh in the 11th verse. It came to pass when he came near to Egypt, he said to Sarai his wife, "Behold now, you are fine, nice-looking woman. He said in the 12th verse, when the Egyptians see you, they're going to say, oh, that's that one? And they will kill me, but they will save you alive. So when you get there in the 13th verse, tell them I'm your brother to save my life. And it came to pass in the 14th verse when they came to Egypt, they surely saw Sarah and said, mm, that's a that's a candidate for the king, for, for Pharaoh. And the princes of Pharaoh saw her, told Pharaoh about her, and the woman was, and she was taken into Pharaoh's house. Now, when Sarah got to Pharaoh's house, everybody in Pharaoh's house was living large. They were, had, they were fed nice. They were taken care of because when you were brought into the harem, you were prepared, going to be prepared to become one of Pharaoh's women. But God had another plan. Let's read on down. Pharaoh entreated, it's the 16th verse. He entreated Abraham well for her sake. In other words, he blessed him. And, but God did begin to show up. In the 17th verse, the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarah's Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh says, what is this that you have done to me? Pharaoh got a revelation. Isn't that something? That this man got a revelation because of what was happening around him. He said, things aren't going right. What's changed? And what he recognized was, this woman came to my house and all these things happened. And Abraham asked him, he said, when you, why did you tell me you, you were her sister? He said, I might have taken, he hadn't taken her yet. He said, but I might have. And then Pharaoh told everybody, it's 20th verse. He commended his men concerning him and said, send this man away with his wife and everything that they have. Not only did Pharaoh, Abraham came with blessed, but he blessed Abraham more and he didn't take nothing back. Because he recognized the favor of God. But what I want to focus on is what the favor that God had on Sarah because she humbled herself. Now, what Abraham did was not right. If you just think about it. Here you are, saved, 
blessed by God, and you come to town and somebody says, mm, who that with you? Man, that's my sister. Everybody know that's not right. But God blessed her because she was under her, she submitted herself to her husband. Trust and said, you know what? This going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen to me. They may kill Abraham. They may not. I'm submitting myself. So let's go down now. We're going to keep going with this because I, we got, I got some more to say about this. Let's go down to, uh, now to the 20th chapter. 20th chapter, Genesis 20th chapter. And we're going to read about this. And uh, it says in Genesis 21, it says, Abraham journeyed for, uh, and went down toward the south. And second verse, and Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, she said, now, we're going to Amalek's uh, kingdom. Uh, I need you to do what you did before. Tell them, I, you are my sister and I'm your brother. So when he gets down there, what, did, what, what happened? When he gets there, the king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. Why? Because she was a beautiful woman. She was a blessed woman. She was a hum, hum, humility would bring the countenance of God on you. Humility can be seen. Although it's unseen, it's seen. Because there's a spirit of peace and of love upon you. As I said before, humility is, is love under pressure. That's what comes out of us. The love of God is already in us. We have the love of God. We have love. The scripture says in, in the book of Acts, it says, he that hath not the spirit of God is not of his. And what is God? God is love. So if the spirit of God is in us, love is in us. Not only is this uh, 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 love in us, but if you read Genesis, uh, Galatians 5.22, it said the fruit of the spirit is in us. Love, joy, peace, goodness, meekness, faith, and, and, and so on. All of those fruits are in us. Though you may act and we may act like the devil sometimes, love of God is in us. The, fruits of the, the fruit of the spirit is in us. We have love. And you may be lashing out your neighbor and fussing and, 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 and uh, saying bad words, but if you're a believer, and you say, how can I be a believer? And I said those things. Your sin is not enough to drive God away. Nor is your goodness enough to attract God to you and get his favor. The love of Christ is greater than your sin. But your self-righteousness will, 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 will drive and keep God away from you if you think what you have is, is, is greater than what God has. So what am I saying? Do, preacher, does that mean that I just go and do what I want to and sin and, and curse and lie and cheat and I'm a God heaven on the, all the way? No. The scripture says, when 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 Paul began to talk in in uh, in the book of Romans, he says, "Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound?" No. We don't. If you are a believer, your heart is changed. But your flesh don't know it yet. You first get saved. Your flesh doesn't change. But your spirit, man, is renewed. Christ in you. What we have to do is humble ourselves unto the word of God. And let the inside man come to the outside. 
that the works of the flesh will be some, that, that flesh, the man is dead. He doesn't just come alive. We just got to have our flesh. We got to, we got to uh, uh, educate our uh, soul, rather. It's got to be renewed. Your mind has got to be renewed. Your flesh won't be, be renewed, won't be born until uh, we get a new body. So your flesh is always going to rebel. What we have to do is from the inside, because our spirit is already new. He's a new man. Our, uh, our uh, uh, soul is being renewed day by day by the word of God. The flesh, he can be overpowered and subdued when we submit ourselves and humble ourselves to the will and plan of God. That's how we walk it out. When we allow the Christ in us to come from the inside out. You said, Brother Herbert, how are you connecting this to Sarah? What Sarah was doing was she was showing the attributes of Christ. Because remember, in these days, women had no right. But God honored her because of her humility. He protected her in the midst of a people who did not honor him. But because Sarah honored him by following her husband, she submitted herself. We, we honor God by honoring ourselves to the man or woman of God that's over us. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. As they follow Christ, you, we follow them. We honor, we honor the God in them. No, they are not God and neither are you. But yet, what we do is we study our word, we read the word, and we honor those who have ruled over us in the, in the, in the body of Christ. Those who God has put in authority. We honor them. I mean, rather, we honor them, rather. Because let's read, let's go to the book of uh, Hebrews. I believe it's, uh, let me go there quickly. Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2 and 8, I believe. Let me just hold a second. Just a minute. But what I'm, what I'm talking about, what I'm trying to uh, get to you, all of us to know that these attributes, when I talk about attributes, these are the things that we have to know that humility is an attribute that God expects us to not only have, but to wrap ourselves up into it. Submit ourselves to him. Knowing within ourselves that we are the body of Christ. We are the men and women of God who carry the light. We carry the glory. Scripture says, God has put his treasure into earthen vessels. Who are the earthen vessels? We are. The glory of God, the power of God, the love of God, the blessings of God, the righteousness of God is in you. You have the authority over every power, every demon in hell. There's none of them that has no more power than the weakest saint. You're just a newborn Christian filled with the spirit. You just started, you just started speaking in tongues. You just started, uh, uh, you just received Christ. You have more power than every devil in hell if you will uh, trust God and, uh, and let the Spirit move through you. You can speak the word. You can if you will trust him. Let's go, let's go here to uh, uh, Hebrews 2 and 2. 
It says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed by them that heard him? God bearing them both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. For unto the angel hath he for unto angel hath he not put in subjection the world to come, wherefore we speak. But in one place saying, What is man that art thou art mindful of him of him, or the son of man that thou visited him? Look what God hath done. Jesus humbled himself. This is what God has so much love for us. He says, what is man that your mind is full of him? That you think about these, 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 these fleshly men and women? What, why, why do you care so much for them? That you would give them your authority. And I believe that's why Satan is so angry with us. Because he was once in authority in the earth. He was the son of the morning. He was Michael and the other archangels. They were the ones that, that, that were the chiefs here. But when Adam came, they had an assignment. When Adam came, Adam got an assignment to be fruitful and multiply. But then Adam was given something that none of them had. Adam got authority. Adam got authority. He had the authority to name. He had the authority to call those things that are not the though they were. He had it. God told him to be fruitful and multiply. Whatever he saw, his job was to multiply it, to speak the word. And it came. And it was. And this is what Satan desired to take from him and what he desires to make us believe that we don't have. And he goes on to say, that you made him, the 22 and 7 in Hebrews, you made him a little lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor and then set him over the works of your hand. You put all things under his feet. For in that he put all things subject under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. I want to skip down. For it became unto him by whom all things bring, this is verse number 10, and bringing many sons to glory to make them the captain of their salvation, perfect through suffering. This is what Jesus was willing to do. Let me read that again. I don't think I read that uh, good enough. Hebrews 2 and 10. For it became him for whom are all things. Now just think about it. Jesus created everything that you see. Everything that was made and was to be made, it came out of him. And by him and by whom are all things. And bringing many sons unto glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect. How did God make Jesus perfect through his work here and him being now the God of this world? That's who is the God of this world is Jesus. Because he came and took everything. The first bone of every creature. He, he is now the second Adam. He took authority. Everything that Adam lost, Jesus took it back. Through his humility. And, and that is signifying the 10th verse. By, by what? By the captain of their salvation being perfect through suffering. That Jesus humbled himself and said, you know what? 
I am willing, I am willing to go and die for these people. Die for these people. Die for man so that they can be redeemed. All men. Jesus died for all men. But we know all men aren't saved. Why aren't they saved? Because all men won't accept Jesus. I pray that we all would just model the spirit of humility as Sarah did. She didn't even have, she didn't have the Holy Ghost. She had a promise. We have everything. Scripture says by Apostle Peter that he's given us all things to pertain unto life and godliness. Everything you need is either in you or is in the spirit waiting on you to manifest it. And we've manifested by faith. And the Bible said faith works by love. And many times that love through humility will bring you because you will come to you because we trust in him. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this hour. We pray, Lord God, that these few words that we've spoken today, this people, Lord God, will understand that you love us. You love us, you love us, you love us. And because you love us, you died for us. And because you died for us, Lord, we have access into the grace of God. And we thank you, Lord, for the love, for the humility, for the grace that you bestowed upon us to your son. I pray, Lord God, that your spirit of grace and humility would reign upon this people, that we will receive everything you have for us, and we will walk as kings, as, as kings in the earth, both men and women, and we will show Christ, the King of glory, to all men. We pray these things in Jesus' name. I pray you join us again for Journeys in Grace.